0: Greetings and salutations, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Voices That Cook. I am your host, William Nunn, who is a voice actor who likes to cook, and I like to talk to voice actors who also like to cook. And today, I have a very special guest, and you may have heard her on her very awesome youtube channel you may have seen her play twitch you may have even heard her tell you stories that put you to sleep at night for very good reasons and that my my friends is stephanie 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 tobin hello (laughs) stephanie how are you today
1: i will i'm doing very well thank you how are you
0: i'm very good very good i am uh I I I have a very I have a very important announcement to make for everyone that is listening. This may or may not be the last recorded session I have in my attic booth. So you may end up hearing me sound a little different in the future because I will be in a new place. I will be in Texas. I will have a new booth. All that good stuff. Uh, but it, it has been a nice place to be in, and I and if this ends up being the last time I get to record in this booth. At least I get to do it with a very awesome person. So very, (laughs) very thrilled to have you on here. Um, I was literally very, very thrilled when I saw that you had amazing food pictures. (laughs) Because I swear, every time I see a voice actor that posts something with food and it looks amazing, it's like, I have to have them on the show. And you have done a lot of incredible stuff. So just Oh, thank you so much. There, there's there's a there's a lot we can talk about and furthermore, for anyone who may not know, um Stephanie is a uh, very accomplished voice actor and narrator. Has a really <laughs> delicious looking food that we can talk about later. But <laughs> um you also have um a YouTube channel, and a Twitch channel and all that good stuff and if there's one thing that you and I definitely have in common, it's that we've both been involved with cold open stories. So that's yes. Yes, I, yes. I, I continuously, I continuously have a lot of cold open stories alum uh popping up in Voices That Cook, and today is no different. Um you were in Three Chances, which I actually really enjoyed. I um that was that was that was uh one that was that took a much different turn than I figured, you know, when when you hear something like Warhammer. You think space battles and conflicts like that and all that sort of stuff. And this was mm. a lot more personal. It felt it felt like almost a um I don't want to say Game of Thrones, but there there is that backstabbing, maneuvering type stuff going on. That was that was Absolutely. kind of in, intriguing to see. Um and it, it it it's it's just neat to see How that went down as far as like, you know, just being a different experience. And then when I looked into your stuff setting up for this episode and you've done a lot of Warhammer narration, it just makes me want to ask, like, was that one of the influences behind starting your voice acting journey was you wanted to narrate interesting stories like this or classic narrations or anything like that? Like, what got you started in the narration voice acting world?
1: Um, initially it started out when I started to gain interest in um the uh creepy pasta community. So I originally started out my YouTube channel as a creepypasta narrator and kind of doing predominantly creepypastas, but also uh public domain horror stories at the same time. And then that kind of helped me to get that initial boost and um uh getting the first like couple of hundred subscribers. And then from there, um, a wonderful YouTuber by the name of uh, 40K Theories, who makes um, wonderful videos about uh, uh, Warhammer lore and theories and things like that, Um, he reached out to me and asked if I'd be interested in narrating some uh, snippets of dialogue, some pieces of lore for his channel. And then kind of from there, that was my initial introduction to uh, the grand, vast universe that is Warhammer. And it was always something that I would had a glancing interest at but it just it looked like such a massive community and a massive world I had no idea where to start really um but because my voice was then in turn kind of featured on on his channel I was like oh like these new subscribers that I'm gaining are very very passionate about Warhammer and these amazing stories you know maybe I should try and start looking into some short stories that I can um narrate on my channel that are like set in this amazing universe. And what's interesting is um uh 40k theories, he's the uh first person who kind of asked me to do something that wasn't narration focused but was voice acting focused. Mm. Um he asked me to be in a um audio drama of his and I remember the first uh set of takes that I sent off to him, he came back with feedback and he said, it feels like you're narrating the lines, you're not acting the lines. And so I'd never done any Voice acting as opposed to narrating before, so that was essentially my first role as a voice act as a voice actor rather than as a narrator. And then from there, he sent me a link. Oh, like, hey, you should try auditioning for this, and it was for um the uh one of the Red Wall games. Um, and so. I now think back to what my setup was at the time with my terrible soundproofing and my very, very bad gain on my Blue Yeti mic. And even though the uh, quality is nowhere near as polished as I'm recording nowadays, I still recorded that audition and I sent it off. And even though I didn't get um, a role on the project that they were working at the time, they asked me, hey, would you still be interested in essentially joining our roster of voice actors and then if something comes up in the future we'd love to send you an audition for it and like yeah yeah sure of course you know thinking like oh it's just a one-off thing you know mm-hmm. I'm I'm a narrator I'm not a voice actor <laughs> <laughs> and and then from there like um I just continue to do more and more work um collaborating with 40k theories being on his channel more and more and then uh steadily gaining more of a following of kind of a mixing of people who enjoyed uh narrations like whether they were horror sci-fi whatever i felt like doing um or they were interested in more warhammer focused content and then from there just starting to build those connections with other amazing groups like um uh the incredibly talented team behind uh if the emperor had a text-to-speech device yes um, which they're so much fun to work with and absolutely incredible. And um, so then from there, just steadily things kept kind of building up over the time, but kind of honestly, voice acting took me a bit by surprise.
0: (laughs) It it definitely has its surprises, that's for sure. Um, I remember auditioning for Hounds of Bedlam, the the cold open stories uh, project that got to be involved in. And I remember auditioning for, like, at least five characters, at least five of them. <laughs> I I wanted to be in, involved with Cold Open Stories that year. Like, that was one of my goals, and I I managed to pull it off. Um, and I don't remember if I just felt more comfortable with Modder, who was in the first episode. For anyone interested in wanting to hear that, I'll put that in the link. I'll put that in the description below. Same with Three Chances. Um if there's anything that just made me feel like a big culture shock moment, it was getting cast for that project, and <laughs> it was it. It definitely felt like the first big thing I had gotten involved in. So I I find it very nice that we both had our our first like oh wow we can actually do this sort of moments with Warhammer. So bless the emperor. Thank you, emperor. <laughs> Less um, the
1: emperor, but also like for me, I'm I'm a Sinesh girl at heart. I I have to be honest. Like the emperor, for all his pious and golden glory, but you know, chaos is where it's really at. Let's be honest.
0: I I have I have I have wanted to do my own Warhammer short stories in the past, and um, I I've had this uh, very funny idea floating in my head for a while now. That's called mm-hmm. the it's called the finger and it's pretty much uh, an inquisitor just going through all of these old records and and he's like a new inquisitor he's, he's 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 barely new to the job at this point but he wants to dig in and learn more about the sp- this holiday that may or may not be true within the 40k universe it it could be completely mm-hmm. made up but like terra day or something like that where yeah. uh there would be like this one day every year where the emperor would show up and greet the people of terra and just say hello to everyone and blah 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 just just to make an appearance and everyone can worship mm. him and all that good stuff but there's there's this very rare footage of Uh, A citizen that comes up to the emperor and is praising him and everything, and the emperor says, pull my finger. And (laughs) it just freaks out everyone. Like, everyone's like, get away, don't do anything, no one talk about this for as long as you live, (laughs) nobody can know about this. And this one inquisitor just finds out about it, and it just... It just shackles the way he looks at the Imperium and everything, that they wanted mm. to cover this up, that the Emperor just had this one funny moment that happened. And I'm and I'm just now picturing um imagine if Stephanie narrated this.
1: <laughs> oh my god, yes.
0: So if I ever, if I ever write it, if I ever write it, I will I will talk to you. <laughs>
1: Honestly, I I can't wait. That sounds absolutely incredible.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um have, have there ever been people that have come up to you and asked you um narration recommendations, you know, just like I would love to hear you narrate this and this and this because you do have you do have a great um warm quality. To yourself, while also having a voice that fits both very well with um, um, I'm trying to find the right word for it. You can do intense very well, but you can also mm. do relaxed very well. It's it, it it's it's a very nice uh quality of tone that you have to hear, and um, it works very well for a particular topic. I will ask about. Uh, later in the episode. Um, but has have you ever had like any any requests? And is there actually a request that you've been asked that you do want to bring to life in narration form?
1: Um, Well, as of about, uh, I think it was early 2021, late 2020, I actually stopped doing um, narrations on my YouTube channel Mm. just because I wanted to pour more attention into uh, furthering my voice acting career. And I was finding the time that it would take to edit these incredibly long stories um, took away time where I could be working on auditions. So at the moment, I'm no longer um, recording narrations, but definitely when I had um, a burst of popularity, and I had a new influx of subscribers. I had requests to, um, narrate various stories, whether they were, uh, they could be things from fairy tales to like the, most cliche and cheesy of uh, creepy pastas, but a lot of the time I would actually get requests from um uh up and coming writers who would send me very very nice drafts of their story and I would read through them and it would be a, a- complicated mix of like I want to encourage you to keep writing and keep doing this but I just don't have the time to record it and like your story is wonderful or it doesn't fit but it doesn't quite fit with my channel if you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so I definitely had requests in the past for um Oh, would, like, I love your voice so much. Would you please read my story on your channel? And some of it would come across as very sincere, very, very sweet. And other times you can kind of pick up from the tone is they wanted mm. me to narrate their stories so that then they would get a boost of popularity on their name instead. And then uh, they get gotcha. a bit salty when I politely turn them down. Um But yeah, it's uh, very much like come and go, but I definitely got more very nice and sincere requests um, rather than the slightly saltier ones.
0: I gotcha. I gotcha. Which, hey, thank you for letting me know about that because I had no idea.
1: (laughs) Uh, It's all good. It's all good. These things happen just so long as like even if you read if I got an email that like let's be honest, the story was really quite terrible when they had no grasp of grammar. Just still being professional and polite, just being like, hey, it your, your story is great. It just needs a bit more work and I don't think it's quite the right fit for me. So best of luck though.
0: That is fair. And that's a very that's a very <laughs> good mindset to have. Um mm. I I will I have one more question involving narration, and that is um how you manage to pull off the really one of the most disturbing stories I've ever heard or read, which is I have no mouth and I must scream. That was pretty, I highly recommend everyone (laughs) listen to this. It's, it's not for the faint of heart, but Stephanie does a really good job with it, with the ambience and the emotions and everything. Did, did just even just reading the words just help you in that circumstance that you have to put yourself in their positions? Like what, what got you through something as sinister as that story?
1: it's probably one of the trickiest stories to kind of get your emotions in the right place for it' Because when you're doing um uh like the 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 voice parts for um for am the a i system I From what I can remember when I was recording it, I think I would honestly start to disassociate when I was recording it, just so I can almost completely detach myself from my emotions as I was reading it, because Am is so Interesting. cold and so practical that you get that sense of malice from it, but at the same time, it's a an entity at this point that is completely removed from any sense of humanity. So it is a d- directly opposed to the characters in the story. And I think even when you're getting into the the start of the story, you already have the sense of hopelessness and desolation. And definitely by the end of it, I don't want to spoil it for people who aren't familiar or haven't uh, read and experienced the story yet, but definitely at the end, for me, getting that sense of exhaustion and just you're just still here and nothing's going to change anytime soon. And you're just stuck as what you, what you now have become. And I think one of the big things for me when it comes to narrating, whether it's horror or sci-fi, regardless of uh, genre, if it's a story that is, has that melancholy and melancholy tone and sense of hopelessness throughout it that just keeps building and building you want to have that kind of sense of build up, even though you're starting at a, quite a low point, like things can get worse from this low point. So it's, it's, a, it's a story that touches on so many raw emotions and that desperation that the characters are going through to just like try to get out of this terrible situation that they have found themselves in, but just it, it's a hopeless story. And um, I, it really, really means a lot that I managed to portray it in a way that, like, you felt was really, really impactful. Because it's a tricky story to narrate without um, making it too over the top. So I really tried to keep that spirit of that, the spirit of hopelessness, as it were.
0: You did a very good job. and Thank you. It, it, it was very exciting to be introduced to that story by my best friend not too long ago. And I look up audiobook versions, and yours happened to pop up. It was <laughs> it was quite surreal. So I was very glad to hear that and go through that yesterday. And it was it, it, it it's 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 uh, I I will have that in the description below for you to check out as well. Which of course also go ahead and subscribe to her channel while you're while you're listening <laughs> while you're on there. Just just go ahead and do that. Help her out. Um, Thank you so much. Now uh this is the, my next question involving the world of voice acting for you is is actually a field I have very little knowledge of and <laughs> I really want to know as someone who performs in front of a microphone how does ASMR work
1: Um ASMR what the ASMR content that I produce on my uh YouTube channel it's it's different from what is understood as ASMR in the wider aspect. So, mm. um, there's a lot of amazing content creators out there who make ASMR that is distinctly ASMR. It is very, very up close to the microphone. The gain is incredibly high, so you do get all those those pops and those snaps that mm. we naturally get in our voice. Whether it's just like those tiny little lip smacks just from us talking, or it can be like clicking of fingernails because it it does like in a strange way kind of soothe and like set off little sparks in your brain in interesting ways. But what the kind of ASMR stuff that I make, it's for me much more, um, that's why I, I call my, uh, my ASMR that I make on my channel, ASMR tales instead of purely uh-huh. ASMR. Um, because then for me, it's like, they're more like listener immersive experiences or stories. Um, cause then like the listener, Air quotes character is then a, a part of the story that I'm telling. So, the characters that I play, or I have um, uh, guest voice actors play, they're then kind of interacting interacting with them. In a in a way. And so then I'll have moments when during editing I'll have my voice ease from one ear to the other so it feels like my characters maybe a bit more up close and personal. Or if there's a a supernatural quality to them, then you might hear uh, whispering or something like that around your ears. So then it's it's similar in an ASM to classic ASMR, but it's not as um it's not quite the same if that makes sense. Sorry, I'm just trying to like explain it, it as best I can. It makes
0: perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. And that actually is super creative to to not just go through the full <laughs> with with everything else that goes on with ASMR, <laughs> which I get like I, I, I agree. I can see where there are some pluses to that for the for stimulation and such, but as a, also as a voice actor and someone who creates audio content. I do find those clicks and such to be just a tad off-putting. Um, mm. So hearing, hearing – because I got to hear a little bit of one of your ASMR tales that Autumn Ivy is in. Um, yes. So I got to hear a little bit of that. I, I didn't get to finish it because something came up and I forgot to finish. I'm so sorry. And, okay. <laughs> um um, But I definitely felt – it wasn't like someone who is holding like – pillows and making noises with the pillows while speaking to add immersion you were making a story that was using techniques that would allow the voice and the writing to just just br- let the listener feel like they're a part of the experience and it, it's mm. a very neat creative way to do something like that and i I have I have a friend who is very much into ASMR so I've already I've already recommended them to you and hopefully they will listen very soon. <laughs> um, like I'm
1: definitely not alone in this particular style of ASMR that I make. There's mm-hmm. other incredibly talented um creators out there like um Yuri Voice and Cardlin Audio for example. Um uh holo VA, other incredibly talented voice actors who do uh who make similar ASMR content where it is much more about almost having the listener as a literal self-insert character in a story or an audiobook. Um, because then we have similar things of like making soundscapes so like say the story is being set in a cave and then the listener can hear like the dripping of water and we add a slight reverb to our voice so it feels like it's echoing a bit. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely not alone in this particular style of ASMR that I produce, but I always try to have, um, my own, uh, signature flair to it.
0: (laughs) That is fair. And having your own signature flair is definitely a good standout for you. Um, my other, I have two other voice acting related questions and Mm -hmm. one of which is, How excited are you to be in Port Saga? Because I love that show.
1: Okay. I may or may not have cried when I got offered the role in season two, because Vampire the Masquerade and World of Darkness is so dear to my heart. I am so excited to be a part of Port Saga. Um, Because even before I had any aspirations of being on YouTube or voice acting, I actually... Um, was a part of the uh, LARPing scene in Perth, the live-action role roleplay uh, community that would do um, second edition of uh, Vampire. So it was Vampire the Requiem back then. And I was in that game for maybe about five years or something. So that definitely kind of mm-hmm. helped to uh, initially get that creative spark going because I I hated drama class in high school. I was awful at it, but that kind of helped to being a part of uh world of darkness playing this game with my friends it definitely helped kind of keep that theatrical spirit kindling inside me just a little bit longer because i had aspirations for um uh studying to be a novelist um because you know if if, to be an actor you have to have things like talent and charm and you know effortless charisma and i I don't have any of those things no way (laughs) am i going to become an actor but being a part of like Vampire the Masquerade and playing this game with my friends, it helped keep that spark going. So when I was starting to put more time and effort into furthering my career as a voice actor, in the back of my mind, it was always like, I I want so badly to be in a Vampire the Masquerade project. Please, please mm-hmm. just just, just this one thing, just this one thing. And then when the opportunity came up to send um, demos to uh, Rachel, the director,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I Im- immediately jumped on it, sent it off. And, you know, as voice actors, when you're sending out an audition, you tell yourself, like, just let it go. Whatever happens, happens. You know, if you're the right fit, then that's great. But if you're not, that's fine. There's going to be roles in the future. But there's that part of you that just holds on to hope for those few projects that you send your audition to, that you're just hoping you get cast, you, you just, you're just hoping and you're praying that you get cast. Um, yes, and that yeah, and that was definitely one of them. So when I got the email back saying uh, we'd like to offer you the role as uh, Constance in season two, um, I think it took me a few hours to respond back just just because my emotions were running so high at the time
0: i i i i I can imagine i can imagine and um <laughs> i i recently well I can't say recently it was like last year or something like that was when I finally got 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 started on my path to the world of darkness i played I played vampire the masquerade Bloodline on my computer,
1: yes, yes. oh, it's one of my favorite games.
0: it is a very good game, I think the writing is pretty amazing and mm-hmm. the atmosphere and the music are very incredible. In fact, I was listening to the soundtrack leading up to leading up to this to hype myself up a little bit because <laughs> I I knew we were going to talk about Vampire the Masquerade at some point during this episode and definitely Portland Port, Port Saga. Um but what I really truly loved about Port Saga and what I what makes it feel like an experience I would gladly go back and listen to again Other than it nails the atmosphere that I love from the game, it also had great philosophy scenes, just Mm. interactions between characters about what they think of certain things and such. And I just love hearing that in stories and hearing it in an audio drama. You don't don't get that as much in that depth. There's a lot of Mm. depth to that, to where even if you've never experienced vampire the masquerade i feel like this this series would be a good jumping off point to get you an idea of what this world is like and why people love it so much and absolutely and also why when i whenever i do get to play the game again i will be a malkavian <laughs> <laughs> I want- like,
1: definitely oh go ahead
0: I was gonna say I want to experience the clip of where you can be a Malkavian and make someone believe that you're a turtle. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I I will say if you play Malkavian in Masquerade the um Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines, um, uh, talk to the stop signs. That's oh. all I'm gonna say.
0: Okay, I will. I most certainly will. <laughs> in um, fact. Um, but- Okay. Oh, I was just going to mention one more thing and I'll let you talk. Mm. Um uh, a buddy of mine sent me um he sent me a PDF of the 20th anniversary version of mm-hmm. of of the Masquerade and there's a lot of information in there, but I can see why people love it so much. Um if anyone were to get into uh, the tabletop RPG, do you think that's a good starting point or do you think I, the the 5th edition is still good like what's your preference?
1: Um for me cuz I uh I was initially introduced to it as um second edition so when it was uh Vampire the Requiem I think the newest edition uh Vampire the Masquerade uh 5th edition essentially is probably a really really good way for newcomers to familiarize themselves with it but also um I would highly recommend if you're interested in um, uh, seeing what the game is like. I also highly recommend watching the series LA by Night. Um, uh, It's essentially a similar thing of like critical role is to D&D what LA by Night is for Vampire the Masquerade. You see actors actually playing the game and in character. So it gets you a good idea of what the setting is like and what the mood and atmosphere is like, as well as how the mechanics work um uh jason carl the uh incredibly talented storyteller and so i think maybe that's a good way because then you can kind of see what it's like when you're actually in game how much of significance dice rolls play in it as well um but i think definitely the newest edition it helped to kind of in a similar way that fifth edition D has it helps to kind of streamline it a little bit um so that it does of course have uh, a quick rundown of how to quickly create a character and such But I think also seeing people actually play it, it gives you a good idea of like, okay, so this is the kind of world that the world of darkness is uh, set in and this is what, like, of course, this is just one example of a game. Everyone's game is going to be slightly different. But I think seeing people actually play it and what their characters are like um, is very good as well because definitely um, from my own experience as well as like my understanding of it, is a lot of World of Darkness games, even though there is, of course, like combat, magic, all these fantastical things. um, The nitty-gritty of it is that it is down to interpersonal relationships and struggles for power. Either you're fighting for more of it or you're fighting against it in one form or another. So I think probably seeing uh, people actually play it and then kind of wrapping your head around, okay, this is what the game's kind of like, and then just finding a good fr- uh, group of friends to play with.
0: I I agree with that 100% as someone who was uh trying to learn how to be a dungeon master and mm. watching critical role helped answer a lot of questions and also just inspired me to treat D&D in a lot of ways as improvisational theater. Yeah. It's very fun to do that and it's engaging to both do that, but also if specific things need to happen that have a bit of weight or stakes or intrigue, or at least something that feels like the dice needs to be rolled, making those mm. dice rolls happen can really make things change into interesting ways. And it's definitely, um, I definitely I definitely have been wanting to check out LA by night um, for a little while now, and I think I will at some point, probably either after I move, or maybe if I'm if I'm driving all the way to Texas and I need something to listen to on the way there, I could at least start with the first episode. Because that's like <laughs> a that's like a 10 hour adventure. Um but the um but I definitely I definitely know at some point I want to do a game um uh, in in that setting. That would be very fun. Hell it just be Oh, it's it so would, good. It would just be fun to just be be in a in a video game for vampires as well, because um, John DiMaggio's character, who you meet very early on in Bloodline, it mm. it 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 it's what kind of sparked this fun idea in my head of and who knows, I may come back to this episode in the future and be like, this you, you got it, you got it. I'd love to play <laughs> a character's best friend in a video game. I think that would be really fun, just to be that NPC that you get to interact with and have uh fun dialogue. The one that you with. bounce
1: off of as a, as a player character, yeah.
0: And uh if something bad happens to them, you uh you feel sad, you know, just, just those sorts of things. <laughs> I would I would love to do that. That's that's one of my that's one of my future goals for sure, is to be a playable character's best friend. <laughs>
1: I could I could absolutely see that. You do an amazing job at it.
0: Oh thank you. Thank you. Um and uh my last my last voice acting related question for you is um has any I I, I have had this very funny thought go through my head of do you 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 remember those mad libs where sentences would have blanks and you could put stuff in end them to make them sound hilarious or silly or whatnot. Yes. I think I think it would be really hilarious to hear you narrate mad libs. Just, just for something really (laughs) hilarious with, with your very relaxed, lovely voice, just, just going through the most absurd things that you could read. I just think it'd be hilarious. (laughs) But reading
1: them completely straight, like trying my best not to break at the same time.
0: Yeah, so just just see how long it goes. Just see how that actually could be a fun game show for voice <laughs> actors. Just read 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 these really silly, hilarious things as straight as you can, and whoever can read the most wins the game. That actually could be a fun game show. I may have to think about that.
1: <laughs> and then it's just like a buzzer goes off if we ha- if we break or we pause too long, and like we're allowed to screw up our faces if we try to hold ourselves together.
0: I feel like you could you could give yourself like a three second grace period, if nothing else. <laughs> but if I start to hear if I start to hear, then just all right. <laughs> That's a point docked for you or on to the next person or what have you. <laughs> all right, William. You need to write this down because this actually could be very fun. <laughs> and while I am writing this down, I'm gonna ask you, uh, what got you started in cooking?
1: Oh, definitely um, my parents. My parents are very big on cooking. um, And uh, so even from like a young age, uh, my mum was always uh, cooking. My dad was very passionate about like trying new recipes and things like that. Um, I've also been incredibly lucky that um, I do have extended family that lives uh, in the Netherlands, in Europe. So uh, every couple of years or so we would try to – Uh, fly over there to see them to catch up with every uh with everyone so being able from a young age to experience um different kinds of food from different cultures as well was really really good and then as uh growing into like adulthood and everything when you start to like uh take care of yourself and um then when you have your own kitchen space to yourself just finding that uh that that wonder, like like re uh rediscovering old recipes or like um going like, oh, what was that thing that you always made for like Christmas and be like, oh it's it's this thing. I'll send you the recipe up. And then like you kind of keep like those little mm-hmm. family traditions going, as it were.
0: Um do you remember the first recipe that you made, or not the first recipe, just the first meal that you made where you felt proud of yourself
1: for oh. making that? I think cuz there's been a couple of recipes that um I've like I've kind of experimented with over the years but I think the one that's jumping to mind was um I think it was maybe about 2 years ago or something I think it was in 2020 when I made uh I I know it sounds so simple but I made a roast chicken for the first time like from mm. scratch like did um the marinade and everything like that Carrots, onion under the chicken and everything like that. Got the herb butter under the skin. Um, so it got like extra crispy and extra delicious. So I think once it had come out like beautifully golden, the meat was just right. Because I, I always worry about like undercooking chicken. So I'm usually very particular about that. Um, but just when it was all carved up, had my wine, had my vegetables and the chicken, I was just, it was that point of like looking at it and just like that point of pride, like, yeah, I did it.
0: that sounds absolutely delicious just just hearing the words herb butter just makes me go Mm -hmm. oh yes yes that's (laughs) so good yes um last night i had made um i had made a um a a pesto chicken pasta last night um for myself and my mom and um i i one one thing that I love about thin chicken breasts is that you, you don't have to worry about whether or not they're undercooked as long as they have the brown color that you desire. Because yes. since they're thin, the internal temperature is probably going to be exactly what you want by the time they reach mm. the, the coloration that looks beautiful. Um, but what I really like to do with those specifically is um, add just a little bit of chicken broth while they're cooking. So that Mm -hmm. way, um, when you uh, have to shred them later, uh, they don't have to be dry. They can be. uh, They can Mm. still have some moisture factor to them. Uh, Because if you're cooking them in oil, they're gonna they're gonna get dry by the time um, they they get themselves uh, fully fully cooked. Um, Well, not entirely dry. They'll they'll still have some flavor. But you. But I like amplifying it if I can, and Mm. doing that helped a lot. And then using. A little bit extra to heat up some i usually do cherry tomatoes but since our shitty walmart had um no cherry tomatoes available and i had to just grab uh grape tomatoes uh i just let those simmer in some broth while i'm shredding the chicken and then when the tomatoes are um soft enough to burst which be very <laughs> careful when you do that when they're in a when they're in a hot <laughs> skillet because you you burst it shoots up it hits your hand ah! it, it, it it happens to me a lot uh, and yes, I do make noises like that when I get burned. Um,
1: <laughs>
0: so, um...
1: <laughs> I usually just curse loudly.
0: <laughs> well, I had my mom nearby. I don't think she wanted me to yell, Fuck! Or anything like that. <laughs> um, it it the, the the cursing can be fun, but it can also be a good way to relieve stress. Um, mm. So... Uh, always be careful with that. But then, um, I, I had some gluten-free, uh, spaghetti noodles that were boiling and I got some pasta water out of that. And once the tomatoes were bursted and flattened or not really flattened, but they look kind of flat, then, excuse me, I just burped and then, um, add your shredded chicken in, put your noodles in, add in your, uh, basil pesto in, add in your pasta water and just, stir 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 and it's i love when food just transforms when it goes mm. to looking like yeah this might be good to holy shit i want to send you a picture of what it looked like <laughs> <laughs> yes please
1: i can't wait to see it
0: it is it, it i There, there are times i look at this i'm like i made this and my mom and i also wanted to add shrimp to it which which was a nice which was a nice touch and we just seasoned the whole pasta with salt, pepper and thyme. Um, which was which was good enough for us. Normally I w- normally I would add garlic, but um I I wanted it to be very healthy. So just not 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 no garlic this time, maybe next time.
1: There oh, I'm jealous. I'm so jealous. That looks so good. Yeah. I haven't had shrimp and pasta in ages. That looks so good. i God damn it. I know. <laughs> now I'm hungry again.
0: See, this is this is I, I I should have I should have added the disclosure at the beginning of the episode. Listening to this episode will cause <laughs> hunger. Oh man! Oh,
1: that looks amazing.
0: I I am pretty proud of that one. Um, I I do think my first meal I was proud of though. Like I know I was proud of the first chili I made, but that was like the second meal I did by myself. So I I guess that kind of counts. Um,
1: it, it definitely counts. It
0: counts. it counts I, I, the chilies's got better since then, um, but it was it was nice to get over that fear of not knowing if you can cook and all that and it and then I've mm. been I've been wow, I think I've been cooking uh for about eight years now. I think that's how long I've been doing it. and I look forward to cooking for more people in Texas, which. At some point, I, I next time you're visiting Texas, I definitely gotta cook for you. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um when uh when when you started to do a lot more cooking and such, were there were there ever any specific recipes that you had any trepidation for and were like <gasps> I can do this now or you, when you figured it out, it's like, yes, yes, yes. That, that made you just want to cook even more and more. Was there ever uh, something like that that just made you want to do even more cooking?
1: Um, it's an interesting question. Um, I think, uh, cause I moved out uh, of, ho- uh, out of home. where essentially when I came over to the UK to study my masters and of course, as a student, um, student cooking is a kind of a little bit of a mixed bag between, uh, Whatever you can afford and whatever you can pull together, so I think one meal that I would always make for myself that was relatively cheap and easy was a very very simple pasta dish that was essentially um, uh, uh, grape tomato, uh, grape like little mini tomatoes uh, in like a little bit of um, uh, olive oil or. Because I, uh, here in London or in the UK, you can get, like, these um, – I'm sure you can get them in the States as well – but, like, these um, little plastic containers of, like, marinated artichoke hearts. Oh. And so I would use the oil from that to cook, um, like, little cherry tomatoes or grape tomatoes, whatever I could find. And then I would add the artichoke hearts into it, and then I'd mix the uh, cooked pasta in with that with some lemon juice and parmesan cheese – And I think that was kind of like one of my weekend meals of like, okay, you worked hard, have yourself like a really nice pasta dish. And that was one of the first recipes that was kind of like just completely on the fly. Like I wasn't following a recipe or anything like that. I was like, I like the taste of this and I like the taste of this. So I'm going to try putting it together and see where it goes from there. And it took a little bit of tweaking to just kind of make sure how much oil I was putting in and then I would... Uh, would later attempts just like, oh, maybe I can add like some lemon juice because like the oiliness is a bit too heavy for me. So let's add a bit of like citrus in there to kind of lighten it up a little bit. And then I was like, okay, this is good, but it's it feels like it could be made a little bit healthier. So then I would add like half a bag of um uh here in the UK it's called rocket, but I think in the states it's arugula that mm-hmm. has like those nice pep- the nice pepperiness to it. And then I started mixing that in with it. So honestly, whenever I make these kind of cobbled together pasta dishes, it's usually I'll throw in like a bag of um, uh, rocket as well, just to add like that nice pepperiness to it and also add uh, some more green back into it as well. But I think definitely just when you start living on your own for the first time and then you have free range Over your own cooking space and what you keep in your fridge and in your pantry. And then, like, you start to let your imagination kind of pro, like, I'm thinking, like, okay, now I can cook whatever I want. A combination of, like, I still want to be responsible and take care of my health and, like, keep everything within a budget, but I can cook whatever I want now.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes. And, oh, I, I I'm sure Zach, my roommate, is going to be very happy with all the food I can make for the bubble bus. <laughs> that that pasta I shared with you is going to be one of them for sure because it's very it's very simple to make and it's very mm. it's very reasonable cost wise. But it's also very comforting to know that making a pizza is not expensive either. Like you could yeah. have you could have one. Technically, you could have like two containers of flour. Uh, like a uh, double O flour, and have a a a big package of uh thick pepperonis and a like a pound of mozzarella cheese and which screwed. I'm going to Texas. I can actually get blocks of cheese and I can actually grade them rather than like get them <laughs> in those already prepared bags and such. I want to grade my pizzas when I move because you can't get those blocks in my little small town of Brownsville, Tennessee. You can't do it. Really? No, like I have to go all the way to Jackson or Memphis, which is like a 30 minutes to an hour drive depending on which direction. It's mm it is crazy to me that there's no blocks of cheese that you can grate and that's that, that'll probably one of the first things I'll get in Texas is a cheese grater so i can finally use that ooh i could use that for hash browns too i could i could just do that on some russet <laughs> potatoes yeah at some point i need to make my own hash browns i have not i've not done it without them already being like frozen and prepared and such i need mm. to do them legit I need to do them legit. That's that's definitely something I want to do at some point. You can also
1: make um uh, zucchini fritters with like grated zucchinis, and then you make your own homemade tzatziki sauce.
0: I've not had zucchini before.
1: Oh, zucchini fritters are nice. Like you mix um uh like shredded zucchini once you get all the uh the water out, you mix that with I think it's like some grated halloumi at the same Mm -hmm. time. And uh, I think an egg to help, an egg and some flour to help bind it all, and salt and pepper. Um, I haven't cooked zucchini fritters in a really long time. I think my mom cooked it for me the last time I had them. But like you make them, essentially, like it's a different version of uh, hash browns. But it's um, then you like dip it in with like a fresh tzatziki sauce, where it's like you have dill and yogurt and a little bit of mayonnaise, and it's so good.
0: That does sound really good. that really does there's the um one thing that i don't know i actually have not asked anyone this question i don't think i've asked anyone this question on the show and i'll let you be the first i asked this to thanks okay. to our thanks to our cooking obsessions and our enjoyment of cooking do you have any cooking youtubers that you love to watch at a regular basis
1: oh that's a good question um not really so much anymore um i'm I'm struggling to think of uh, people I, I used to watch. Um, I find that, I mean, this is talking like ancient history and mm. uh, YouTube years, but um, I used to watch things like Epic Mealtime just mm-hmm. to kind of see like the most elaborate and over-the-top sort of food, but it was it would always be food that I would never want to eat. Like, because for me, I just don't have uh, the stomach for like food that is so big and so much larger than life that for me it feels wasteful mm-hmm. unless you're eating like the same thing but you have a ton of friends to help you eat it i could never order something like a quadruple patty bacon eater thing that is just slather- no. slathered in mac and cheese like no. it looks cool it looks cool but for me i wouldn't be able to finish the entirety of it and then i would feel bad about throwing the rest away
0: i would too and I will say, like, seeing some of the stuff they make, like, while it does look pretty good, the the most elaborate epic mealtime related thing I have ever made was with a group of friends. And yes, we were sober. We were sober for this.
1: It worries um, me that you have to clarify that beforehand. <laughs> I have to. I have to. Because
0: otherwise people will, 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 will think otherwise. Uh, beer came later, not before. So... We essentially had uh, these two big square pizzas from Jets Pizza. They're, 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 lo- they're I will call them like mid quality Sicilian type style pizza. It just uh, hmm. those those shapes is the best I can say. Not the flavor, but the shapes. So anyone yeah. that's like, "Why would you compare that to Sicilian?" It, it, it's fine. It's fine. I, I'm just just visual context because I don't know if there's a Jets Pizza out in London.
1: <laughs> I don't believe there is, unfortunately.
0: Though there was, though there was. Side note: There was one time I went to a Jets Pizza for uh, a pizza order. And my order was order sixty six. So, nice. uh, I I I definitely (laughs) I definitely looked at that and told the person that gave me that receipt. Um, I I had to go Palpatine. I just had to. I just had to. Just execute order sixty six. Even though it was out already, the quote made no sense. It's like (laughs) I have. It should have been I have received order sixty six thank you for serving your empire <laughs> um, that, would have, that would have that would have been better that would have been a whole lot better uh <laughs> but um so back to the back to the to to my own epic mealtime situation we had these two giant square pizzas that had like these thick crusts and everything and I had made these garlic and herb Parmesan potatoes in a crock pot that were simmering for about three hours on high. Mm. And we essentially had like a prego tomato sauce put on top of one of the pizzas. Then we put the potatoes where the sauce was on top of that pizza. Then we put cheese uh, all over an already pretty cheesy pizza, and then put the other pizza on top of that to essentially create this really big potato calzone, basically. And put that in the oven to make sure that, you know, everything mixes together very well. And Chasel
1: melts and everything.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Because you don't want to, like, you know, take a bite and all of a sudden the two halves just come apart. Mm. And then we took it out, we let it cool off. And we, I think we only let it heat for like five minutes and like 400 degrees or something like that. I don't, I don't, I don't recall how long it was and I'm not going to lie. It wasn't bad. It wasn't <laughs> bad at all. I wouldn't do it again, but it wasn't bad. And we called it the volunteer pizza. Cause I, I went to the, we, the, our college, uh, our football team were like the University of Tennessee volunteers. So. Volunteer hmm. the volunteer pizza made sense to us at the time. Um and we, we ate the whole thing. It was like myself and five, six other co-workers from the call center I used to work in, which um that was that was definitely a learning experience as far as um doing voiceovers related things without realizing you were doing voiceover related things. <laughs> But people kept telling me in that job over and over again, "You gotta get into voice acting. You gotta get into voice acting." Even customers were telling me that. I eventually listened. Um, but I, 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 I may have shared this story on the show before, and if not, this this will be a first. Um, <laughs> I had one conversation with somebody where I sounded like George Takai the whole time, and they had no idea that wasn't my real voice. <laughs> And they, I didn't get in trouble for it. No one found the phone call or anything, but that was definitely uh, a whole like a uh, thank you for calling U.S.A.A. Consumer Lending and Servicing. This is William. How can I help you? Just just doing that. Um, yeah. Throughout throughout like a five minute phone call, and it was very fun. Um, there was one there was one circumstance in another call center job where. I had no idea I was doing the wrong thing with sending out these voice messages to people that either, you know, hadn't called back in a long time about something they wanted to do. And um, because I knew none of these people were going to call back, I didn't take the that part of the job seriously at the time. Mm. Um, so I would essentially send out voice messages as if I were Optimus Prime or... Um,
1: Brilliant.
0: <laughs> I don't remember the exact quote or anything, but I just feel like um, I am calling from such and such here to let you know that we have not heard from you in a very long time. If you would like to call us back, please dial one whatever and just let us know when you can reach us back. And I, I wouldn't say like Harbot roll out or at the end or anything, but you I just
1: f- adopt a particular
0: character voice, yeah. Yes, because I felt like if anyone was going to call back, they would answer to Optimus Prime rather than William Nunn, basically. <laughs> and apparently, um I got I got caught doing that, and they told me you're not supposed to do that. And I said, I won't do that anymore. And then they looked over how I was doing it and said, none of these have been sent out. So apparently, all of my impressions and voices that were supposed to go through these messages never even went. (laughs) So I just spoke to the void, essentially, (laughs) which I figured I was doing anyway. But it, it became confirmed at that point. So... I talked to the void as all these different characters and oh man I I I wish I could have done a Walter White at that time that would have been so fun <laughs> um Skyler um you have not called back about sending your child over to that uh that after school place and um uh, well Walter Jr. doesn't need to go there right now. He needs to come home. <laughs> I know you're upset that I make a mess. I know you're upset. But just hear me out, Skylar. I did this for the family. So you are going to do this for the family. You're going to take Walter Jr. to that place <laughs> that we have talked about so that when he's ready to come home, he can. Or I can pick him up myself when I'm not dealing with Gustavo Fring or Saul Goodman or Mike Urban Trout. I don't know where that came from, and then
1: it turns out that that's the one message that actually goes out, and you get this very scared person on the other end of the line Hi? like oh.
0: <laughs> oh oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that, sorry, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> oh man that was that was too fun, that was too fun uh... <laughs> oh man, um. I I did have one call where I was talking to someone who had a um whose last name was Balboa. So I had to go into the Rocky Balboa voice for him. Oh, absolutely. And he, and he enjoyed the shit out of that. He 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 had such a fun time with that. That's good. <laughs> um I I just lost my train of thought. I had a question for you and it just completely left my brain. It happens all the time. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's, it's crazy seeing where things have started and now we're, we're at this point in our lives like I, I never would have imagined that I would be in a position where I would go from like being at a call center doing what I was doing and then years later I get to I get to be in a position where I get to move to Texas I get to have these really fun gigs and I get to talk to Stephanie Tobin like that <laughs> you, you would never expect that in your bucket list. Um, like,
1: I, honestly, I'm kind of in the same boat. Like, I, as I was talking about before, just like, if it, like for me and voice acting, it was very much a snowball effect. Um, it was just, I just I decided to kind of s- start uploading narrations of horror stories one day, and then all of a sudden I have- I'm a couple of years later. I have uh, my own website and an agency and everything like that. And I'm just looking at this, like, how, how did this happen? Considering, <laughs> like, I, I for the longest time had you know very much doubted myself of like, oh, you know, it was kind of like imposter syndrome, but not quite. Like, it was more like, did I just get ridiculously lucky? And then, like. I don't know. I think for me, one of the big turning points was um uh in 2020, I believe, um, when I played uh, Sayun in the audio drama series uh A Ninth World Journal. Absolutely fantastic uh series, by the way. And um I actually uh was nominated in the Audioverse awards uh for my performance. That's awesome. And, and that was like or definitely one of the points where I was just watching my uh like voice acting career steadily takes steps and steps but i think honestly getting that nomination was what also like just cemented it for me of just like yes you are doing this because you're working your ass off doing this and people are like starting to recognize this and so you just need to keep going and it was definitely like the big kick up the butt of just like stop doubting yourself goddammit
0: yes yes definitely definitely don't don't doubt yourself um <laughs> I think I think what just from talking to you today I think one of your biggest strengths is your creativity you have Thank you. you have you have I know so many voice actors that have lovely voices you're definitely one of them but you have the creative spark and the the ingenuity to want to at least uh, play and try out neat things because, like, you know, I I hear a lot about like ASMR, but you have like ASMR tales, like that's a already a whole different thing for me to <laughs> to know about. And then on top of all that, like you've had your LARPing background, you've had all that other stuff to really um add and bring to this your narration background and all that. So you clearly have a passion for storytelling. So. Hmm there's clearly those things that give you that give you an edge and um and i and i do think it's also important as voice actors to constantly root for each other because absolutely you, you 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 there 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 are some people out there that have no idea what they what they what their performances mean to other people and mm. it, it's 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 always bizarre whenever i get a compliment for anything and just go like oh cool thank you um so it, it it's it's always good to have that support i think that's going to be one of the reasons why i will continue doing what i'm doing because i love working with the people that i get to work with i love interacting with the people i get to interact with and i want to work with more people i have yet to work with so it mm. and so at some point you know it'd be fun to do something with you um but likewise it would be very fun um and i and i say that for a lot of people but there's definitely um there there is a reason why you've had the success you've had is cuz you're very good at what you do and you're you're also just a lovely person and oh, thank
1: you so much that really means a lot
0: you're welcome you're welcome um and speaking of very lovely things what is your favorite recipe
1: oh okay um so this is a, a recipe that I have that it it was very much like um, one that I experimented with over time, like adding things in, taking things out until I could get it just right. Um, but this is my uh, pasta bolognese recipe. Mm. And so it's definitely been one of those ones that's just like evolved over the years and now it's like, okay, I have my staples down so I know what I need to go out and get. Um, and then just kind of – I. Go with the flow when it comes to like how much of one or the other. So, um, essentially, uh, for the base of it, it's uh, d- very much like how much of each, it depends on how much you want to make. I tend to make a large pot of it so that then I can have it over like the next week or so, and then I just have to cook up the pasta for each time. Um, so I think definitely uh you start out with uh chopped onions and garlic. When it comes to garlic, I measure with my heart. Uh just how much <laughs> I'm willing to be bothered to chop up. Um and uh when like I love garlic so much. I'm sure you love garlic as well, mm. but it's just the pa- it's the the paperwork that gets to you having to like uh peel the garlic beforehand. Um but yeah, en- enough garlic that is like you look at it and like, ah. Oh, that's about that's about right and then uh roughly two chopped onions and you sauté that in a bit of olive oil and then what i get is half um lighter uh minced beef so i usually go towards like a uh 5% fat uh beef cuz i usually try to keep things fairly lean so uh half uh beef mince and then half pork mince um, because the pork adds a bit more of a sweetness to it for me. Um, and then it's not quite as heavy if it was entirely beef. So half beef, half half pork mince. Add that in with the uh, onions and garlic, and you once uh, the onions and garlic are kind of like sautéed enough that they're translucent and maybe starting to get a little bit golden brown, and then you add the different minces to it. Then from there, um, I add in. One jar, usually maybe, depending of course on how much I feel like cooking, one jar of uh, standard basic uh, bolognese uh, tomato sauce. So just whatever you've got available in the supermarket, I usually tend towards, again, the slightly lighter option if it's available. Um, And then it's kind of like the base for uh, tomato, uh, the tomato sauce. And then I also add in an extra can of uh, chopped tomatoes and a good kind of Squeeze or two of tomato paste as well for just that extra flavor, Mm -hmm. and and then what I add to it um, after that is I'm not sure if you get these in the states, um, but they're these uh, kind of like stock cubes, but they're like a gelatin sort of one. So they come in these little capsules, Um, and so I usually put yeah, they're like because they're not as like um, they're nowhere near as salty as like stock cubes are. But they're a lot. Uh, they're more like a jelly sort of substance, and so we can get. I have those over here in the UK that are like a kind of a rich sort of beef flavour. So I usually add uh, two of those to the pot, and I also add in uh, a ba- uh, two bay leaves and then cracked pepper because I already add. Uh, quite a few things that are salty, like especially the stock tends to make the sauce quite salty. So I don't add any extra sauce, uh, extra salt on top of that, just because mm-hmm. otherwise it's a bit too much. But enough pepper that it feels like it's a good a good balance. But um, just kind of then taste as you go. But then one thing that I always add to it, um, this is something that uh, uh, Gordon Ramsay, I learned from Gordon Ramsay. Is, you know, with uh, blocks of parmesan cheese, once you've grated it down, you get to the rind of it?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What you do is you hold onto the rind and you put it in a Ziploc bag and you just put it in your freezer. And then when you're making a, uh, a, su- a soup or a pasta sauce, you take out the parmesan rind and you put that in the sauce. Oh, wow. So and it, it adds that cheesy nuttiness. It, it doesn't melt all the way down because of the hardness of the rind. So you're still able to like scoop it out afterwards, but it adds that cheesy nuttiness to the sauce as well. Oh. And um, it adds a little bit of extra saltiness as well.
0: Yum, yum, yum. So, you, you're
1: going to start doing that too, aren't you? <laughs>
0: I will definitely be doing that because I definitely want to get Parmesan blocks as well. That's, oh, I need to, I need to like... Whenever I go grocery <laughs> shopping in Texas, I need to just I need to just go, okay, you're getting these items and nothing more for that for this trip. And then when you go back next week or the following week, you can get these cuz like there there're definitely recipes and things that can last me about, well, since I'm going to be living with somebody, it's going to be like uh this this will last us about half a week. So let's just, you know, make sure we maybe double the amount and get this here so that way this is all going to be useful for later and later and all that. Oh, man. Like, yeah, I definitely I definitely want <laughs> to do that. Uh, please continue.
1: Mm. Um, so I also add, of course, depending on how much I'm making it, one, maybe two rinds if I've got enough kind of saved up. Um, I personally keep them in the freezer just so that then they don't go moldy. Um, if you cook it regularly, you can just keep them in the fridge. Um, but then once I've added the bay leaves, the stock and the, um, palms and rind, uh, give everything a good stir. And then I usually uh, set it on too low for a simmer and I typically leave it for 30 minutes or so just cause then everything gets to kind of melt and mix together and all that good stuff. Just checking in on occasion, maybe tasting it a little just to make sure that there's the right balance of pepper. Um, and then from there, once it feels like it's about ready, sometimes I'll leave it a bit longer if I've got other stuff to take care of. But then in the meantime, I can cook up uh, whatever pasta I want. Uh, the pasta I usually go for, its I i can't remember the names of the specific mm-hmm. pastas. Um, but I usually, because it's uh, a bolognese and so it is a chunkier sauce and I tend to chop vegetables qu- quite roughly because I prefer that kind of chunkiness to whatever I'm making, whether it's a soup or a chili or a sauce. Um I typically go for pastas then uh, that have a bit more space where they can hold the sauce. So stuff like uh, the shell pasta or um, I think it's for silly, the the spirals, because then the meaty bits kind of get caught in the spirals a bit and it holds the sauce a lot better. Mm -hmm. Because that's one thing that I learned is that when it comes to pasta is that you should do your best to pair whatever pasta you're cooking with the sauce that you're making. So, say if I'm making something that is a a lighter sauce that's maybe more oil based, so something with like a pesto, or if it's like just olive oil and garlic and lemon juice, for example, then I'll choose like um maybe a, a spaghetti or something because then the oil holds to it nicer. Whereas if it's chunkier sauce, you want the uh, the pasta that can like hold the sauce a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And so then I'll cook the pasta up in the meantime. And I know like the professional way is that, you know, you have like a separate um, uh, skillet or like um, a pan because then you can put like the pasta sauce in there and then you can mix the pasta in there with a little bit of the pasta water. To be honest, by that point, I'm just like, I'm I'm cooked out for the moment. So I'll get <laughs> a bowl of the fresh pasta, put a, a ladle full or two of the delicious pasta sauce over the top some uh, parmesan cheese, and a very generous glass of red wine. I typically go for a uh, cabernet sauvignon myself, and then sit down and enjoy it. And then the pasta sauce, I just put whatever's left over in the fridge. And then it's still good, even if not more delicious over a couple of days, because like all the flavors have just been able to mull over a bit longer in the fridge. And so yeah, that is my delicious spaghetti bolognese, or pasta bolognese, I should say.
0: That sounds amazing. And <laughs> even, even with all that, I'm like, that wine sounds delicious too. <laughs> mm.
1: That is another thing that I uh, learned from my family is that my uh, my parents, especially my dad, are very passionate about wine and good wine. So- I'm a little bit particular about um uh, my wines, and I do very much enjoy a good Cabernet Sauvignon, especially a good Australian Cabernet Sauvignon or a Californian red as well.
0: I I've I've always liked Behringer. I don't know if you've ever had that. Um but one that I always thought was not bad, but I always liked it because of the name was mm-hmm. Fat Bastard. There is a wine called <laughs> Fat Bastard and i just remember my parents getting that i just thought this thing is real like that's actually called that i have to try this because of how hilarious the name it is and it just makes me think of austin powers each time so just (laughs) just just have a sip of that it's it's not bad but i definitely am more of a red a red wine uh type of guy but there's definitely um something i do like about the texture of behringer that Mm. um is is it's i've It's been a while since I've had it. I can't really describe it because it's been so long since I've had it, but I remember really, really enjoying it. But who knows? That could be something in Texas I could try out would be uh, trying out different wines and things if there's ever, like, a a wine place to go to, which I'm sure there is. However, though, um, one thing I'm definitely going to be going completely crazy over is that I can actually have Korean food every week. Because there's no there's no Korean amazing. spots close to me here, and since that means that there's Korean food, food food close by, I can make Korean food at home, and I can finally have make myself some Korean fried chicken or anything else that will um, please my stomach very much. So yes. amazing! Like
1: honestly, I haven't had uh, like tried a lot of uh, Korean restaurants and Korean food. Um, is that one of your favorites? It is now. in terms of cuisine
0: it is now um which is crazy cuz like i didn't really get into korean food or even ramen until last year mm. and now now i just i treasure ramen i treasure it um but with korean food uh like korean chicken is amazing it's 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 absolutely amazing um but with ramen though i love the flexibility that ramen can have while also Um, you can, you can add to things with it that will make it so much better. Even if it's just adding like two cloves of garlic that have been roasted, Mm. you can just mix that in and do stuff with it. Now, now for the sake of my stomach, I have to be careful about my garlic intake, but, um, I've, I've had, I've had roasted garlic with ramen at one point and I, I felt fine. So at least, at least there was something pleasant about the experience there that I, uh, I will continue to treasure, um, but another one of the nicest things about moving to Texas is that we're very close to Mexico, so yep. uh, that will mean very good Mexican food, um, so I'm very- Honestly, st- I
1: adore Mexican food so much, and ramen. There's um a, a fantastic place in- um uh, it's kind of got a couple of restaurants around London called Bone Daddy's. And they make- Bone daddies. (laughs) It's so good. They make some of the best ramen. I'm uh, actually going to show you a picture of what it looks like because it's amazing. One second. Of course. So I had this a while back and I'm actually going back there tomorrow because I need to go shopping in London.
0: Oh, that looks great. Oh my gosh.
1: Super crisp, crispy tonkatsu uh, pork belly on the side. Boiled egg. It's just, uh, chef's kiss delicious.
0: You you had my heart at tonkatsu. You, <laughs> you, you had my heart at tonkatsu. Oh, man. Oh, that's so good. That is, that's so good. Oh, man. <laughs> See, I I move in less than three weeks. Less than three weeks, William. You can have, you can, you can be, like, literally driving distance from a ramen place. You will be in driving distance and it won't be like, you know, over an hour or something like that. You could go there within an hour and it's <laughs> going to be good. Oh, boy. And now my stomach is talking to me. Um. So before we before we close out, I just want to say this has been an absolutely very fun time having you on here, Stephanie. Thank you so, so, so much for coming on to Voices That Cook I-, I knew it would be a pleasure, but this has been so much fun. And um, where can the listeners of Voices That Cook follow you, my friend?
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. Um, where can they follow me? Um, definitely my uh, Twitter, um, at Steph Swanquills. Uh, Steph spelled S T E P H, and then Swanquills. Um, you can also check out uh, my other social media. Typically, I go online by my pseudonym, um, Stephanie Swanquills. Um, and so you can check out my YouTube channel under the same name. I also stream on Twitch on Fridays and Sunday evenings, uh, about 7.30 p.m. Uh, UK time. And um, yeah, so typically online, uh, you can find most of my social media under Stephanie Swanquills. Um, but you can also check out my voice acting website at stephanietobin.com.
0: It's a very good website. Highly recommend looking Thank at it.
1: Thank <laughs> you.
0: And uh, you're welcome to follow me on Instagram at the voice that cooks and on Twitter at voice that cooks. And definitely follow the Twitter so that way you can catch up on all things involving voices that cook and one shot's D and D character podcast. Which I'm uh, I will be trying to bring that back after I move, after I get everything situated and all that good stuff. Um, but do look forward to to the returning journeys of Odysseus Claw as he is. Uh, trying to do what he is trying to do which I find very funny like the last episode of that of that of that show he got to essentially meet the Sandman he got to meet Morpheus and now Sandman is on Netflix and they managed to get have Netflix- you
1: seen have you seen it
0: oh yeah oh yeah yes! I, I I actually watched the uh bonus episode yesterday and um was very thrilled was very thrilled I'm, I'm, I'm-
1: watching that tonight I'm so excited. <laughs>
0: They, they do a great job with Dream of a Thousand cats and Calliope. it's it's very well done and um I I, I, I am someone who also loves the audible versions. so if, if 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 anyone listening and especially you Stephanie, if you have heard the audible adaptations for Sandman, you will hear some voices that have popped up in that uh, in that adaptation as different characters. So really, yes, like, um, there's, there's a particular character that's making like this speech involving dreams in, um, in, uh, in in dream of a thousand cats. And I was listening, I was just listening. I was like, that's James McAvoy. That's our other Morpheus. (laughs) Cause that's, that's, that's who plays Morpheus in the audible version. And then you hear, you know, Mm. some of these other people pop up like Michael Sheen and David Tennant, um, but the big surprise for me, as someone who's a huge fan of the Audible adaptation, uh, was seeing Arthur Duvall, Duval, um, who played Shakespeare in that's in that version. Mm. He's actually Richard Maddock in Calliope. So okay,
1: that's interesting.
0: Yeah, and he does a great job. Holy shit, he's so good in the episode, and I, I. I I don't want to butcher her name, but the woman who plays Calliope is brilliant in the episode as well. Um,
1: like, it's interesting in like the, um, you're saying the audio adaptation has James McAvoy um, in it, because he was also um, uh, Richard Mayhew in the uh, adaptation of Neverwhere. Um, yes, uh, the yes! The audio a- adaptation of Neverwhere. And interestingly enough, I would listen to that particular audio book um, uh, of Neverwhere, on repeat when I was first starting to get into doing narration to kind of understand what it was like to like fully build a scene like audio-wise as well as like how to properly like verbally emote in that way. So everything comes full circle, baby.
0: Hey guys, in case this ends up seeming like a very odd transition, uh we had a bit of a situation where my computer died, but no need to worry. I got it all situated. We're all fixed up. Once again, Stephanie Tobin, I am so glad I got to have you on here. Thank you so, so much. And my stomach is still rumbling just <laughs> just just hearing about the food that we've been talking about today. And it's been such a joy having you on here. Everybody, thank you guys so much for listening. Please do follow Stephanie Tobin and please do follow me on social media. And continue to follow Voices That Cook so that way you don't miss out on another episode. Excuse me there for that burp. And, of course, if you do not want to miss out on uh, the upcoming episode that I have with my very good friend Caroline Sweet, please do look forward to that, because that's a very, it's going to be a very chaotic and fun time, that is for certain. But, anywho, my name is William Nunn. I am the voice that cooks. I hope you enjoy your evening, and I I, I hope you enjoy what you're eating. I don't know why I said I hope you enjoy what I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm tired. I, this is a this is a re-edit because the um, the last batch got completely botched. But anywho, seriously, thank you so much. Go follow Stephanie and look forward to Vampire the Masquerade Port Saga Season Two. I'm so excited. Bye.